It's Monday, February 14th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser, from Income Investor James Early, and from Million Dollar Portfolio Ron Gross. Guys, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Same Valentine's to you, Day, Chris. All right, we've got Groupon's latest stumble and a new fund aimed at social media companies. And speaking of social media companies, we're going to start today with Zynga. This is the social gaming company that produced Farmville, uh, Farmville excuse me, which is the game on Facebook where you, you basically have a, a cyber farm that you can tend to and buy crops and animals and all that sort of thing. <laughs> well, Zynga is talking with potential investors looking to raise a quarter of a billion dollars, which would value the company at more than $7 billion. Jason? According to reports, last year Zynga made $400 million in profit on $850 million in revenue. That those are some nice numbers. Just tipping fifty percent margins there. It's I mean you know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, with Twitter last week and uh, absurd valuations. At least with Zynga, I mean the valuation is a little bit more to earth. But you know Ron had made a good point just shortly ago about how sustainable is that business model even to begin with. I mean you Ron made, Ron a, made a good of, point. Let's back up <laughs> <laughs> once every month or so. I chime in with something. Good. Let me just ask this: I read that they said that they don't even actually need the money. That they don't. But they're right. doing this anyway. I mean, isn't that a telltale? Sign of a social media bubble? I I, I would think so. I mean, that's, it seems that all of this stuff that's coming down. I mean, between Facebook, Twitter, Groupon, LinkedIn, and Pandora. I mean, LinkedIn and Pandora. I I, I can't understand IPOs there really at all. Uh, but but Agreed. yeah, I mean, it, it seems that we're getting kind of bubble esque. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to hate this so badly because uh, you know all they make their money from Facebook subscribers who are playing these games and and want to buy virtual goods or virtual money even. Um, and it's, and not that, ju- it's not just Farmville; they have Cityville, too. right? Well, I mean, what, competition will eventually move in. What kind of competitive advantage do they really have? And, and I do want to hate it so bad, but then in, they go and do something relatively reasonable, like twenty times earnings only. It's not a ridiculous kind of LinkedIn kind of a number, but I'm going to still go with. I was going to say, this. I mean, regardless of what the business is. I realize at some point you have to be forward-looking and say, well, will this business be here in 10 years, 20 years, that kind of thing. But, I mean, these numbers... It's attractive to someone. (laughs) I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, just recently here, if you look over these numbers, the Cityville, uh, active monthly users, uh, 96 million. Farmville, 51 million. Their other, their Texas Hold'em poker game is 38 million. And Frontierville is 21 million. Now, those are all games that are developed by Zynga. And most of those you access through the Facebook platform. They're not just they're not just little numbers. I mean, they are big numbers, and they're growing more and more as Facebook grows. Those numbers will grow, but it's going to reach a point where someone's going to ask, "Why? Why? Why am I paying for this?" James. Well, I mean, this is not to your point, Chris. This is not the internet of ten or fifteen years ago. With these numbers, I mean, all these people playing can't all be dorks. I mean, this is a big <laughs> sea change in our society, and up to this point, no business has really exploited the social media gaming like this until now. So it is something. All right. Groupon is back in the news, fresh off the success of their Super Bowl ads. Groupon was offering $20 off a $40 combination of flowers and gifts from FTD. More than 3,000 people bought the coupon, went to the special website that FTD had set up, and then they found that the prices were higher than on FTD's regular website. Uh, James, is Groupon... Stumbling to the point where it is in danger of losing its competitive advantage? Well, Chris, the FTD stuff really cuts to the essence of Groupon, which 
unfortunately isn't much. When you think about a brand, you want to be protected, right? You want you want somebody looking out for you, and this is quite the opposite. And I could compare the business to an eBay or, or something like that, but that kind of shortchanges eBay. I would say the one thing in Groupon's favor is that their business does depend on some level of critical mass. Uh, so, so I don't think, in other words, you could have 10 local websites or local community papers coexisting. Uh, I think you need sort of one thing, and, and Groupon is probably the most likely to succeed, but uh, I don't think the business is going to be nearly as big as everybody seems to think. But on that line there, what about Living Social? I mean, that's something I, I was you know, somewhat familiar with Groupon, but before that even was, was Living Social, and I just see that through you know deals maybe my wife had gotten. So, I mean, what do you think as far as a competitive advantage? I just got there? a skydiving deal, actually, on Living Social. <laughs> see, there you go. Now I get these damn emails every day. That's what I want, bargain day. skydiving. For, uh, <laughs> <Sign me up. laughs> exactly. uh, well, Living Social, I mean, they're, they're based here in D.C., aren't they? I believe so, yeah. So, so it, let's, let's level up uh, from the companies to the, uh, the grown-ups who are watching over them. Howard Schultz just joined the board of directors at Groupon. Yeah. And with Living Social, uh, it's backed by, among others, Steve Case, the former founder of AOL, and Amazon. And has a huge investment there. I mean, does that does that change the equation at all for you in terms of how you look at these companies when you look at the executives who are involved? No. With Steve Case on board, what could go wrong, Chris? Exactly. (laughs) Any mergers, I'm game. Um, So obviously, the the FTD deal that's that's right in time for Valentine's Day. Um, We're all married. Uh, Let's just kick this around for a moment because we talk all the time about companies reporting earnings companies beating expectations. So when it comes to Valentine's Day 2011, James Hurley, um, what's your Valentine's Day performance going to be like? Are, are you going to beat expectations with your wife? Well, Chris, I'm not very sexy, which may be the problem <laughs> right there. <laughs> you know, I, schedule, so. I schedule everything. I'm organized. I'm, I'm sort of, maybe I'm a pipeline if I'm, I'm a company on Valentine's Day. Uh, I will say this, though. My wife actually remembered that it was Valentine's Day for the first time in several years this morning. So, uh, you know, I have an easy bar to clear in that regard. And, okay. And so you might up. beat expectations. Yeah, yeah. Buffett two-foot hurdles. Or at least meet so. expectations, yeah. Jason, what about you? I, I hope I don't get myself in trouble for this, but actually I think I'm going to have already exceeded expectations. Wow. Wow. Why is um, that? Well, so for us, Valentine's Day started really a little early. It was kind of a weekend affair. Having two young kids, and it's it's always a struggle to try to find you know any alone time whatsoever, but we got a babysitter for Friday, went out to dinner. Uh, my wife even scored tickets for the Georgetown Marquette basketball game nice. yesterday. Big score there. Uh, I got her a gift card for one of her favorite stores. All right, Ron. I'm going to go home and top it off with a- uh, Chris, my stock is going to open tomorrow morning exactly where it closes this <laughs> evening. Um, I think uh, after 16 years of marriage, I think there perhaps might not be any Valentine's Day surprises left. We'll have a lovely evening. There'll be chocolates and a card and a dinner. But I don't think I'll be knocking any covers off the ball. You're, you're going to no 52 week high. You're going to you're going to meet expectations. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm I don't think I'm going to underperform expectations. I think I'll probably meet expectations because I think on the way home I'm going to pick up a card. But the thing is, if you go <laughs> all out like like a, like Jason, let me ask you this: so doesn't that raise expectations for the next year, or at least a whisper estimate. <laughs> it really does. It there really is a Valentine's does. bubble at the Moser you have home. to perform to that standard again, right? It does, but to your point, I have fallen so short on expectations in the past that something <laughs> had to guessing, give. Yeah. yeah, it had to give. I like the idea of a Valentine's bubble. And Chris, your, your use of the word performance in all of this sort of makes me... You can, you can take that at face value, okay. my friend. Okay. 
All right. Uh, finally, J.P. Morgan Chase is planning to start a new fund to invest in social media companies. Speaking of bubbles, uh, speaking <laughs> of bubbles, the proposed fund is looking to raise five hundred to seven hundred fifty million dollars from wealthy investors to put into privately held companies like Twitter and Groupon. Some of the ones we've already talked about. Uh, Ron Gross, you're a former hedge fund guy. What what percentage <laughs> of your investing dollars are going to be put into a fund like this? As, as the great Yogi Berra said, it, it's deja vu all, all over again. And uh, this this really does have the makings of of bubble type uh, actions to me. To me, it's not really. This isn't about putting the best five or six social media companies into a fund and and perhaps having people invest in it. It's more about does this spread to uh, lesser quality companies with business models that are not sustainable, don't have the profits um, of the, of some of these other companies or, or profits at all for that matter. That's the slippery slope that I think we're probably headed down. Um, maybe it's not this fund, but I think you'll see other funds, and and that's how bubbles start. Well, and Ron, given your value bent as an investor, I mean, what do you think other value investors? How do you think other value investors are going to see this? I mean, are do well, you, I don't think they'll participate. No. Um, it doesn't mean it won't make money, and it doesn't mean that stocks won't go up when they uh, go public. With the, let's face it, they probably will at least for the time being. But I think value investors will stay away. Watch this thing soar now that we're all trashed off. <laughs> right. The latest <laughs> valuation I saw of Facebook put the company's value around $83 billion. Right now, Disney is valued at about $81 billion. Five years from now, which one would you rather be owning? All of Disney or all of Facebook? James? Disney on a risk-adjusted basis. So, 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 so Facebook so may outperform, but I'm just scared. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Jason? Yeah, I think Disney, there's just more, there's, there's stuff that's tangible there. It's, I think I'd go with Disney. <laughs> I'm going to go with Disney. Um, but if you ask the 10 year question, then I would definitely go with Disney. What about 7.5 years? <laughs> <laughs> on a risk-adjusted basis. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, tonight is the start of the three-night showdown on Jeopardy. This is uh, the IBM computer Watson against two former champions, Ken Jennings and Brad Reuter. Who do you like, James? You know, from what I've heard, Jeopardy has a history of, of rigging the questions. In no. So I'm going to say <laughs> Alex they're going to rig it. Alex Trebek is Canadian. They're Come gonna... on. He's trustworthy. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know that. They're going to rig it so that the humans have to win. It just, it's just going to... It's a better narrative. Really? That's what I think. Okay. Jason. Man, I keep going back to the Terminator, the rise of the machines here. Go, Watson! All right. Ron? I'm going to take the other side. i got to go with uh, the humans and specifically Mr. Reuter, not Mr. Jennings. I think you're right. I think Reuter's the one getting overlooked here. Everyone's talking about Ken And he's Jennings. using Mr. again. Reuter's the one who really looks <laughs> up to these people, too. We, yeah, we know Reuter's that. the guy who won the most money on the show anyway, isn't Correct. He? Yeah. yeah. Reuter's the guy who's who's the... The great champion who's actually bad at branding. Like Ken Jennings is like everybody knows Ken yeah. Jennings. You know, people in Brad Reuter's own family are I think are gonna be surprised <laughs> when they see him tonight. All right, Ron Gross, Jason Moser, James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Mac Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.